name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Happy Feast of our Lord's entrance into Jerusalem. This is actually considered um, one of the major feasts of the Church. And it even gets its own tune uh, from the hymn perspective, where usually Joyful has one standard tune, but the Feast of the Cross and the Feast of our Lord's entry into Jerusalem have their own tombs, their own rites, and their own rubrics. Of course, the other thing in common with them is the procession um, in the morning of the cross, where we read the Gospels, um, just like we did at the Feast of the Cross just three weeks ago. We will be doing that um, again. Symbolic that we're spreading the news of salvation to the whole world, right? And so we go from the north to the west, the east to the south. We use the testimony of all the saints, every kind of saints, whether they're martyrs, whether they're confessors, whether they were apostles, whether they were ascetics. We take all that into account. So today is one of the most joyful, and it's one of my most favorite feasts. Um, I know when we were kids, we would sometimes lose our voices singing of Logimenos um, in the church because of the, the beauty of the hymns and the spirit. And as you can see, it's one of the most well-attended ashayas um, uh, of, the, of the whole year. But I will talk more about Palm Sunday during the Gospel tomorrow because I like during liturgy to make sure that the sermon is always about the reading. So tonight, during Ashaya, I feel it's, it's more okay to, to stray from that a bit because I would like to talk to you about, a little bit about how to make the most of your Pascha week um, so that it's a solemn week. Holy week, yani they, we always talk about Lent as a whole being almost like our treasure box of spirituality for the year. Holy week is like your spiritual ICU. Okay, this should be a very, very intensive week um, where you might even feel that the grace that you take from Holy Week, if you use it properly, can carry you throughout most of the year, right? Most of us are longing. I know for me, this was one of the first years in a while where I'm like, I need, not first years, but it was more than usual, where I was like, I need Lent. Like, I need this to come. To collect myself a bit because during the year we start to get a little bit loose. We sometimes forget our disciplines and we need it. So, first of all, everything in Holy Week changes in the life of the church. Everything our rites, our rubrics, the look of the church, um, the way that we celebrate. Because what we are trying to do is enter as much as we possibly can into the life of Christ probably my fault. Um, we want to enter into the life of Christ and that's why we literally step day by day into everything that happened during the week. So of course the, the liturgical day starts the eve of, right? Just like it did in the Old Testament from, six, from 5 to 5 or 6 to 6 there's debate about that. That's why for example we're doing the Palm Sunday readings right now and we're doing the Palm Sunday tune is because on the church calendar we are already in Sunday. Okay, and that's why we're doing it. So the first day of, 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 of Pascha is actually, it begins with Lazarus Saturday, okay, which was this morning, which is the beginning of the Jews', the Jews very um, calculated attempts at Christ's life, right? Just as we just read, we just read how the, the raising of Lazarus caused a big stirring among the people, right? From there, our Lord goes to Jerusalem, Right, and that's why we, we commemorate his triumphal entry, which we're going to talk about, God willing, tomorrow. Then is the cleansing of the temple, right, in the evening, um, where our Lord goes and, 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 move, and put, flips over the tables of the money changers. 
And then we, then the next day is the fig tree, right, that we have as our morning uh, discussions. Wednesday is the deal with Judas, right, which is one of the reasons why I fast Wednesday and Friday. Thursday is the first celebration of Eucharist, right, in history, and that is why Thursday is also a monumentally big feast in the church. We only don't do joyful because it's Holy Week, right? If, if it wasn't Holy Week, it would have been um, joyful. Then, of course, on Great Friday, we celebrate our redemption, our Lord's crucifixion. Then Friday night, we, try, we, we celebrate His descent into hell, um, which is supposed to be a big feast in the church, which the fathers of the church wrote a lot about. And then finally, we end with His triumph over death and the resurrection, both of Himself and of, out of all of us. So the first thing is to get into the structure of the week. The readings are so many, and the readings are not random. Okay, so you'll find that every hour, the structure of every hour is prophecies. Um, some hours have more than others, right? And then a psalm and a gospel for each hour. And what the church is doing us, doing with us, for us, is taking us through the whole story of the economy of our salvation. Right, that's why you'll find on day one, we're talking about Genesis. Right, we're going literally, we're just going right to the beginnings of saying, what is this all about? And so we start off by saying, why, why were we created? What was the point? What went wrong? Right? What was the need for all of this? What did God want from humanity? Why did He bother making humanity? Right? The things that we were talking about a lot during Advent and a little bit during Lent. And then it goes on to keep on recounting the history of humanity's relationship with God in return. Right? Is that man was not joyfully saying, yes, God, I love you, I'll be with you. In fact, usually God was wrestling with humanity, asking for humanity to love him back. Right? This was his request from humanity. And so that's why we're going to read about that. We're going to read about the first rebellion with uh, uh, Cain and Abel, the first sin. But we'll also read about the first rebellion of the Tower of Babel, for example. Right? Or reading things about how man was like, no, I can overtake God, I don't care, right? Then you'll read about the flood of God saying, this isn't working, sin is destroying my people, right? And so you'll hear about God's wrath and anger about sin taking hold of humanity. So we'll read about the flood. Then we'll read about the covenant, we'll read about the, 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 the rainbow, right? We'll read about God saying, I, I won't do this again, okay? I tried to reboot, okay? This doesn't work, okay? So I'm going... To, since you still don't want me, okay, I'm going to make a deal with anyone who wants me, okay, and he found Abram, right, who would become called Abraham, so we're going to read the story of Abraham, right, during the week, so the church is going to go through all of these things, and then it's going to go into the lives of the 12 tribes of, of Jacob, that will go through the lineage of Abraham as the Old Testament church, the Old Testament assembly, right, and what was the covenant, what was the deal, right, because the wages of sin was death, and that's why this culminates, obviously, partially in, in Great Friday. So we're going to go through all of that. So as you're reading, right, then you're going to see that the prophecies start to slant away from that and saying, all right, I've called you to be my people, and you don't love me. So you'll you end up reading, you are a wayward people, right? You'll read, for example, all these readings, for example, when he tells Hosea to go marry a prostitute, right? And he goes, go, do this. Okay, and then he'll tell the people, this is you. Okay, what Hosea just did right now, that's you. 
right? Is that you're running after every lover except me, right? Is this acceptable to any of you? Is this normal to any of you, right? And he'll even say to the kids, go, go write the bill of your mother's divorce, right? And yet he won't divorce her, right? Because he's having this, this back and forth. So we're going through all of this back and forth between God and humanity. And then the prophecy starts to lean towards, you know what? This isn't working. We need to have a new covenant, okay? There needs to be a new deal. There needs to be a new arrangement. And that's why you'll see as we lean towards Great Thursday, Great and Holy Thursday and Great and Holy Friday, the prophecies start to become about this new covenant on the one hand, and on the other hand is this very terrible day of the Lord. Right, you'll find that this is the underlying theme of everything is the day of the Lord. There's even a very scary reading that they use in movies, but a lot of people don't really realize is, is from the Bible, where, where God says, prepare to meet your God, O Israel. Right, The day of, of reckoning, a day of confrontation, where he's saying, you're living like there's nothing else except yourself, but that's not the truth. And so there's going to be a day where you're confronted with the reality that there's something more than you and that you do have a creator, and that you do have a maker, and in what manner will you receive him, right? And so you'll start reading about the day of the Lord, a lot of in the Old Testament, and you'll read the day of the Lord from the New Testament. You'll be reading about the second coming, right? And, and the, the, the return of, of Christ. So as you're reading, okay, try and put your mind into these readings and ask why is the church reading this, right? What is this leading towards? Why does this matter? What, is, what does this have to do with Christ? Right? Because it has everything to do with Christ. Right? If we understand um, what is going on. You'll even find that the church is using the deuterocanonical books. And so the church will also use prophecies that match up what occurred during that day. Right? So you've got the overarching theme of, of the economy. And then you're going to have on a, on, a, on a, that's the macro level. And then on the micro level, you'll see prophecies specific to what happened that night. For example, one of the readings, like the first time I actually paid attention to it, really shocked me. Because there's a, a from the book of Jesus, the son of, of Sirach, or it might have been from the book of Wisdom. I think it's on Great Friday in the morning. You will read an exchange that is identical like, like word for word, you could have taken it and given it to the Pharisees, and it was the trial of Christ. And it says, and they will say he, was, he is not like us. And they will say, if, let his own God save him. Let him say, and it was word for word exactly what the people said around Christ. It was word for word what the Pharisees said during the trial. Which should help you even in your faith to see that these things were written long before Christ. Right? This wasn't written a week before, right? And then they handed a script right, to the, the Pharisees and said, read this so you can fulfill the prophecies. Right? What makes these things amazing is that a prophecy is a good prophecy if it comes true. Right? A prophecy is a horrible prophecy if it doesn't come true. And so we have in the Old Testament many prophecies concerning Christ, many prophecies concerning His coming and everything to do with it. And so that's why we read them. So bring your mind and tie these prophecies to the things. Um, I would highly recommend you do that. I, I won't give a rule to you all because I'm not all of your spiritual fathers, but I don't personally very much like people reading books 
um, or doing things during the services because it is the liturgy of Holy Pascha. It's actually a liturgy. And the liturgy means work of the people, right? So just like on a Sunday, nobody would come and just sit in the corner with a, a book, right? Then it's not quite appropriate to do that. So what I would say is that everyone is obviously concerned that the Psalms are so long. Um, I told my, my brother-in-law um, when he had first joined the church, because he's, he's a Canadian, um, I was like, choose a vowel and, and stick with it for the whole week. Um, but instead of doing that, use the time of the long hymns, use the time of the Psalms to actually read the prophecies and the Psalm and the Gospel of that hour and link them, right? You might even find you want more time um, because there's, there's a lot there, right? You'll even, and I'm saying this because I've done it and I do it every single year, um, every single psalm, at least for the evenings, I, I'm pretty sure for the mornings, but I know for the evenings because I've written all over it, okay? You can find something directly in the psalm that's in the Gospels, right? Sometimes it'll be about the council of the Jews and the temples. Sometimes it'll be about offering, and then you'll find that the Gospel is about Christ talking about His sacrifice. So you make the link between the offering of the Old Testament and Christ's um, ultimate absolute sacrifice. So pay attention to what's going on. If you absolutely cannot focus on reading, meditate. Okay, we spend lots of time throughout the year talking and tweeting and Facebooking and Instagramming and selfieing and all sorts of vanity. Okay, so for one week, yani, just get uh, a little more introspective. Okay, in terms of, of 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 using it. So that's what the readings are for. We also find during the week that the structure changes. Right, those of you who are able to come during some of the morning. Um, liturgies during Holy Lent we'll see that whenever we would read the Old Testament prophecies we would turn off the lights to the best of our ability since these don't turn off um, and we would close the curtain we'd even blow out um, like the candles for the, the readings and the reason for this is because we're going we're saying that the Old Testament was in darkness they didn't have the illumination of Christ they didn't know what even the prophecies were actually about and so they were in a, pa a place of darkness and there was haggis, there was, there was a barrier between man and God, right? And that's why the veil of the temple, right? This is what this symbolizes, is closed, right? And that's why we don't officially open it until Great Friday, right? We open it as a, like a little thing in the middle for obviously Holy Thursday liturgy. Um, but it's, it's kept closed for that reason, because we're stepping into the life of Christ. We also do some other things with the rites and rubrics um, that are... Are, are meant to show that we're trying to live step by step with Christ, right? Theoretically, you're never supposed to modify the creed, right? There's an ecumenical canon about it, but we do. Um, what we do during Holy Week is whenever we would read the creed, for example, we stop at whatever has happened thus far, right? Um, so apparently we might not be doing that here. Um, but that's, that's, that's an old uh, thought, so it's a tradition that that we had. And it's to say we're living in each um, place with Christ. Um, that's why we don't say, oh my good Savior, even in the hymns, till a certain day, till something um, has occurred. I've lost my train of thought now. Um, <laughs> thanks, Sharif. Um, we also replace Egbeya. There is no Egbeya to be prayed, whether in person, in private, or in public um, during Holy Week, because we are bringing our attention 100% and entirely into 
the church. And so the 12 psalms of every single hour are replaced with 12 thoktetikums, right? 12 thine is the power. Because we are we're replacing it with that. We don't read anything about the lives of saints, right? Because our focus is entirely on Christ. So any major saint, for example, sometimes St. George's Feast um, comes during Holy Week. And it's like it doesn't exist, right? He's not there, right? That's why we did unction yesterday, which speaking of which at the end, anyone who wasn't can be anointed. Because we won't do sacraments outside of what we're doing in Holy Week um, during that week. We're not going to baptize, right? We're not going to do that. Um, some priests will even not take confessions. I, I will be, but that's the level that they, they, they take of it. So we get rid of all of those things. On Sunday, tomorrow, God willing, you all get to attend your own funeral um, because we say that even if someone were to pass away during the week, let not even that take us away or distract us from our focus on the Lord, right? And so their prayers are done. We would literally just go straight to the burial place and, and, and bury. It was more meaningful in the past because people need to be buried right away. Um, obviously today people um, can wait for um, longer. You'll find in the liturgy, for example, on Great on Holy Thursday, on Covenant Thursday, there won't be a prayer of reconciliation, right? There won't be the hymn of saved, amen, and with your spirit, because we're literally living in wherever we are in the life of Christ. Redemption and salvation has not been achieved in this moment-for-moment moment thing, right? And so we refrain from doing that. So bring the church is trying to help you, right, with its with her rights and with her rubrics, to bring you mentally into a place to try and comprehend. Um, the things that are, are going in. So that's what the church is doing, that's what the readings um, are about. From your perspective on a personal level, shut down completely, right, to the absolute best of your ability. Whatever discipline you had during Lent, like double it. Um, but like be very, very um, serious about it. I used to not that I do it much now, but when I used to text properly, um, during Holy Week as a layperson, I would not text anybody. Um, if it wasn't like, if I had to deal with my manager for work, okay. Other than that, it was zero, right? It was on airplane mode for as long as um, I possibly could. So no texting, no internet, no media, right? Get yourself, if you haven't already during Lent, remove yourself from these things completely. Let there be something different about this week. Let there be something holy about this week um, in a spiritual, spiritual way. Any sins that you are a slave to, cut them. Okay? Like, this week, whatever it is is your thing that you're a slave to, just don't do it this week. Right? I mean, obviously you should, in general, try not to ever. Okay? But, Yani, you can collect yourself for, for a week. Bring it together. Make it very, very holy. Right, make this a holy offering to the Lord, which is what the Lord is begging with the people for the whole entire readings, is saying, Please be holy. Right? So show him that you are not the exact same as all the people of the children of Israel, which which you are and I am, okay, of doing the exact same thing that he's doing. Yani, get out of that and try and bring yourself to it. If you're a gossiper, if you have an addiction to something that you know is wrong or that you're ashamed of, just for as much as you can this week remove it, stay away from it, um, and make it holy. Um, decorate your room, your prayer room, your prayer corner, a room in your house, something like Pascha, 
Okay, I I had in in my this might be an overshare in my when I bought my house in in Canada, my my dad got upset with me because my prayer room is painted black, um, and I painted the the gold like Coptic cross in huge in front of where I pray, and the reason was because I associate personally the depth of holiness in Holy Week, right? And so having the atmosphere match what it is that I associate with holiness was a help to me, right? My dad thought it was going to give me depression, but it actually brought me joy. But during the week, put up something black, right? Put up crosses somewhere, cover the TV, get rid of it, cover the computer, get rid of it, um, even for the, for the kids. Put something up that is holy, right? Have something that is there. Every day, come before it and say prayers together as a family. Do something that says, this is a week that is completely different than other weeks. There's a ritual in the Jewish tradition that Mel Gibson and the Passion captured. A lot of people didn't understand it, right? There's a scene where John comes running in to see, um, to tell St. Mary what's going on, right? And St. Mary is with the other Mary and they're having a conversation. And then one Mary says to the other, tell me why is this night different from any other, right? And the response of St. Mary is, um, it is because it is on this night that the Lord redeemed us from Israel and saved our people. Because the Lord had said to them, right, write this on your signpost, put this up on your doors, and tell your children every time you celebrate the feast, because that's what this feast this week is about, is Passover, right, whenever you do this, and explain to your children what it is that the Lord your God did for you in those days. And so that's why they have this tradition of this narrative that they would tell back and forth, okay? This is equally valid for us. Our Lord said, do this in remembrance of me, right? And that's what this week is about. So sit down with your kids, sit down with your siblings, sit down with whoever, and talk about what it is that the Lord has done in an active way, right? If you guys are shy to talk to your family about religion, then there's something wrong, right? There's something wrong, right? We shouldn't be weirded out by having a religious talk if we are religious people, okay? It's not a, it's not a church thing only, it's what we live. So bring it together to the best of your ability um, with what you're able to, to talk about what it is that the Lord our God did for us um, this week. Every Pascha service that you can go to, go, right? If you can take time off of work, great. I know many people back home where they couldn't get an office vacation, they took an unpaid week. I'm not saying that you must do that. I'm saying, Yanni, if there are people who are willing to go unpaid just to be there, then you should feel like, what is it that they love so much, right? Like, what can I do? Be there as much as you can. I know for, for me, I, I can't thank my parents enough, right, that we have the luxury in the Southern Diocese of Los Angeles that we have like 45 churches or something now. Um, growing up as a kid in Canada, we had to drive one hour and 15 minutes minimum each way um, to get to church for Holy Week. And our parents took us almost every single day. Um, and, it, and it gave it a deep, rich meaning that this was this huge labor, right, that we're going to be going in late at night for kids' definitions um, and coming back. So every, every Pascha that you can come to, please come. Like I said before, bring your mind into every single reading, all of the smells, all of the scents, the rites, um, and the rubrics, right? I, I get goosebumps because there's so many things you sing during the year that you don't know what, what they're for. Right, for example, Taishori, right, this censor, right? On Great Friday was the first time in my life where that hymn ever made sense to me, right? Because suddenly you're seeing the image of the high priest right here crucified, and then Abuna will, will put on his festal clothes, right? He'll put on his cope, 
right? And they'll come, and as the deacons are singing Taishori and everybody's tuning out, right? Instead of saying, what are they, what are they saying? Then the priest, the priest is, is in the image of Christ, right? Our, my priesthood isn't my priesthood, right? It's the priesthood of the Lord, the high priest, right? So the priest, as a symbol, as an icon of Christ, takes incense and offers it. Right? And it becomes a right of the priesthood that this is he who offered himself as an acceptable sacrifice before our Lord. His father smelled his sweet savor in the evening on Golgotha. Right? It's a, it's a, a short stanza. Right? That means an awful lot. Right? There's so much to think about. Right? Of saying, okay, this is not only the high priest, but he's also the sacrifice. Right? And so this is our Lord as the great high priest putting himself on the altar as his own sacrifice. If that enters your head, then you can now see what happened on Covenant Thursday. Why was that a big deal? Um, even, for example, I know I'm, I'm digressing, it's just to give you an aspect of how deep these things are. On Great and, Co- on Great and Holy Thursday, on Covenant Thursday, I don't know if any of you have paid much um, attention to the covenant that happens with Abraham. Right? You'll see that this bizarre thing happens, right? where God is like, okay, prepare a fire, kill an animal, cut it in half, put it on this side and on this side. People are reading like, I don't know what's wrong with God, why he like, loves these dead animals. Um, God didn't like dead animals. Um, today, when you want to make a deal, we do an equally weird custom. We take each other's hands and we, we just move it. Okay? And somehow that signifies that we agree. Okay? In the old days, their weird custom was that you killed an animal, you cut it in half, you put it on two sides, and you had a meal in the middle. Then you would both walk up and down the middle of this thing, and that was a signal of like, hey, we ate together and we made a deal. If you break the deal, you're dead like this animal. That was the way that they had deals. And so it was a blood covenant. It meant that if you break this, you die. And so if you look at the covenant that our Lord made with Abraham, it's very deep, because he didn't ask Abraham to walk. Only he walked. Abraham got to have the food, right? And then our Lord walked up and down, which meant, I'm not even going to hold your life accountable for you in this covenant. So if you can grasp these things, if you meditate on the readings, if you ask, what does this even mean, right? If you just read it and you're like, I don't know, some weird thing about dead animals, right? You're going to stop there, move on, read a psalm, and, and you go home. But if you stop and say, what is this custom? Why are they doing this? Then you're going to get something deeper and you're going you're gonna to be richer and what it is that you read. When you're reading about Pharisees, how many of you have asked, what is a Pharisee? Right? Is it, like today we use it to mean hypocrite, right? Or somebody who's a, a, a spiritual snob, right? But that isn't what a Pharisee is, right? Or what it means. So ask yourself, bring your mind into the readings so that you can get something deeper and that you will have something new in you um, during this Holy Week. As I said, match the Psalms with the Gospels, the prophecies with the events. During the litanies, this is the most common part where people walk out, where it's like, oh great, here they come. Um, a hundred Lord have mercies. Um, and so that's when you'll find everyone gathering their kids and like, yeah, we're done. Um, and, and go out, because it, it, it seems really boring to some. At the same time, people complain that the church doesn't pray about relevant things. <laughs> so these litanies because we don't have liturgy, are praying for everything you can think of under the sun, right? It's like, bless the weather, bless the leaders, help those who are sick, help those who are in prisons, help those who are in dungeons, help the church, help my neighbor who's got this. As you're reading the prayers, 
Okay? Bring your mind into the litanies and name people in your mind for whom you would like to pray. That's the whole point. Right? Your Lord have mercy is saying, yeah, I agree with that. Lord have mercy on. And then list anyone here who you have in your mind. So if you do that, you also might find that the litanies don't feel as long because you're not just blah, blah, blahing. Okay? You're now actually praying. So even the litanies can be helpful if we do it. As I said, get into the hymns. There's a lot of uh, commentaries. The, the Brotherhood, not that I'm marketing it as a Brotherhood member. I had nothing to do with the publication. Um, but Emma Kurdles did. There's two books they put out. Um, there's books for commentary um, throughout the week. And then Emma Kurdles also put out a, a Great Friday specifically book. And it has meditations on the specific hymns. Right, where it'll also talk about fa'it of inf, all of these things, so that as you're hearing it, right, that you can get a little bit more of a meaning um, out of it. Um, on Great Friday, really do as many matanyas as you can, right? This isn't a time for, it's not fake um, humility, right? I know it might get stuffy, so it might be hard, but like, this isn't a, a time for us to be worried about how we, we look. Right? This is the whole church crying out in, in, in many ways. We're crying out, we process the cross as a victorious symbol, and yet we also proclaim it with a spirit of repentance, right? Of saying this, this didn't have to be necessary, right? If, if, if we were who we were created to be, then this would not have been necessary, right? And so we share in our meditation of our part and where we fall short of the image and likeness of God, which is what His sacrifice was for, was this renewal of my nature that I corrupted, right? That I participated in. So do as many matanyas as you, as you can. You might be sore the next day, um, but it's worth it. You'll find that joy sare in mood bi'lib, right? It flips, right? The mood completely flips, right? And it's almost like we get schizophrenic, right? Where you'll find like a tune that's half. Um, somber and 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 uh, pathetic in, in the true meaning of pathetic, um, and then suddenly joyful, right? And it's again, it's to capture what it is that we are doing. We're like, okay, well, this is good. He went to hell to save souls, but we're also sad. Resurrection hasn't happened, right? And so you'll see that in um, the rites and the rubrics. So basically, the ask is, bring yourself really deeply into the week, right? Holy week, get your kids the books, which I'm, I'm sorry about the confusion for, by the way. Get them a book, print it, right? I'm still using, like I said in, in the email, the, the edition that my priest had put out in 1996 when it first came out. So I have like 21 years or something, 21 years worth of my own writings to myself, Right from Holy Week. What like to me? This is a treasure. Right, it might mean nothing to anyone else with one random line here or there. But I see myself, the teenager. I see myself, like the young college kid. I see myself as an adult, and I and I can even find in what I wrote where I was mentally and spiritual in those times. Right, where I might remember that I was struggling with something during that time, or I might remember that it was a spiritually really high time. Um, during that time where I'm like, man, I need to repent, right? I need to get back to this state that I, that I used to be in. So get them for your kids, right? Get them for yourselves. Write in the book. Make it your own, right? Like make this something 
deeper than you're not a spectator, right? Bring the weak to life because whatever measure you put into this as your offering, as your sacrifice, as your free will offering to the Lord our God, our Lord will accept those sacrifices and reward it with abundance of blessing now and forever and in the age to come as well. To Him be the glory forever and ever. Amen.